Hello and welcome to episode 1150 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Friday, March 3rd. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, it's March. Draft season's here. What's going on? Oh man, TGFBI drafts are in full swing. I posted the ADP on fan graphs this morning. So you have uh, a way of going looking at the first 150 players off the board in TGFBI, uh, plus links to the like the automatic draft uh, uh, boards and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, man, it's it's that time. We're getting close. Like I was thinking, man, I don't have that many drafts left. I mean, it's almost main event season. That's the thing, man. We're going to get into the big dogs. You're running the listener leagues for the, the podcast. If you're in the Patreon, you can, is yep. there still spots for any of those? At this point, the first two have filled up, but we could put together a few more okay. if people jump into the Patreon. Uh, I'll jump in as many as people want to get because I don't think we're going to get like 15 or something like that. I could but... jump into one more. Um, I didn't yeah. in the head to head. I could, I could be down for another. So keep me posted on how things are feeling I... there. I really want to do a vampire league. If anybody really wants to do a vampire league, explain what that uh, is quickly. So, vampire league is one person league is the vampire uh, and does not draft, uh, but puts this team together with what's left over on the waiver wire. And then you go head to head, obviously, each week. And if he wins, he steals someone from your active lineup from that week. So, Were, were you around on online and in the fantasy world when people used to kind of do this? I didn't, it didn't have a name, but on Yahoo, we would do free agent only drafts. We'd purposely tank the draft, draft all the oh. biggest losers ever, then cut guys. And just a few of us, it was just kind of like a, it was not even like a set thing or anything like that. And I'm sure the people who were in our leagues were like, what's wrong with this a hole, you know, not drafting properly, but we would try to win via just picking up free agents in a 10 or 12 team Yahoo league. So same kind of vibe, but we couldn't steal players if we won. And some people actually won their leagues. I think this was on, I think there are people on Roto Junkie that were doing this way back when. It was a lot of fun. Um, and there's a similar vibe. There's also the guillotine league. You know what that is? Yeah, yeah. I played in a guillotine league for football. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. And then I got eliminated week one. And I was like, oh, this hey, sucks. This is the thing ever. Do you want to explain what that is? <laughs> yeah, guillotine league, it's uh, it's a points league typically. Uh, or yeah, it's got to be a points league for, uh, yeah. for baseball. But I, I did it for football. Uh, and the lowest score is out um, each week, so like they're, they're done in the league. Yeah, it's uh, uh, but it's it's a lot of fun if you get to survive more than one week. Yes, Danielle but, was in one for uh, Bat Flips and Nerds, the, the British baseball podcast. They mm -hmm. did one, and she made it to like the finals. That's awesome. Yeah, because then all those guys go into the pool of the, yeah, of the cut the, of, the, of the killed team. They did it in an interesting way where it was randomly assigned who you got. So you would get oh, an extra player each week okay. and it was randomly assigned. And so she's like, every week, she's like, I need a reliever. I need a reliever. And she would never get the reliever. Like, at one point, she's got, like, six first basemen. She's like, I'm good on first base. I was like, I don't need any more of that. I just need a reliever. And then finally, like, the last week of the season, she got hater, and it still wasn't enough for her to win. Dang. That's that's cool that she made it really far, though. Those leagues are fun as well. So if people are interested in something that's a little bit non-standard with the yeah. Patreon League, let Justin know. I would definitely be in, like, a vampire guillotine 100%. But I'll join a second one if we've got people that are looking to uh, to get in there. Uh, oh yeah, we, we got some that's, people in the chat this morning, which is that's nice. a great call by Henry. He so said, he said, "Go ahead, yeah, read it." He, he came to the realization this morning. Paul nicknamed Cincinnati Coors Junior. and Giant missed opportunity as Coors Light. Uh, yep, 
it's done. You're, 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 you win, Henry. It's Coors Light. Thank you. Yes. Coors Jr., total waste there. It is absolutely Coors Light. Um, and that's why, you know, I've, I've been hammering that all draft season with a lot of different hitters that I'm interested in. I tell you what, though, by the way, it, it, it segues us back into pitching here, which we're going to do our last episode of starting pitching review. I had to move down Green and, and Lodolo a bit. Yeah. And I, I might have mentioned this on another pod. Maybe, maybe I did on this. I've been doing get pod appearances elsewhere too, so who knows where I said it. But as excited as I am about both, given how much I've been going crazy for Coors Light, I, I can't in good conscience not ding those two a little bit for it, just out of their own control even. It's not that I think they're going to get hammered there, but it's going to hit. You know, there, there's going to be some some downturn there. And I think I was just getting a little too aggressive on both of them. So uh, both Lodolo and Green took a little bit of a dip. By the way, the uh, rankings on the page on the, under the Fantasy uh, Expert Rankings tab, we have now shifted over into draft season, which is March 1st. through. It's all of March. And then in season will be April 1st and on. Um, you can now see my updated ones and you can compare them to the preseason and then you can see what sort of changes I've made. So I'll have a, much, a big, robust change set coming next week, but I've already updated the starting pitchers with the glass now injury, the Musgrove injury. Musgrove, I didn't really do much. He, he moved down like a ranker. I, I think I dropped him about 30 innings. Oh, wow. Um, okay, so I only, I only dropped him like 12, 15 innings. Okay. I, I so, mean, I don't know what to do. Like, they, they I don't say he's not going to throw for two weeks. So, it, you know, he dropped a kettlebell on his foot. That hurts me just to read it, by the way. Oh, hurts Last me because I just drafted him in TGFBI. You, you dropped it because you had missed the news the day it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Glass now, do, do, you, do we need to clear the uh, track for you? Would you like to do your victory lap? I mean, I don't, I, I mean, hate like victory lapping on an injured I know, guy. I know, I know. I mean, I will because but that was the reason. That was the reason. Like, That's the only was, reason that you'd do that. You're not one of these people that like likes when people get hurt or anything like that. We, we don't, we don't play that game. Oh, yeah. Danielle like, tried to give me a high five when Gavin Lux got hurt because she's like, Danielle. And she's like, it's a Dodger. Screw them. I was like, I drafted him everywhere. Yeah, I have him. And even if you didn't, that's still a real life player. I don't cheer real life player injuries. Even the assholes, I'll be like, I don't like that dude, but I, I don't cheer people getting hurt. But again, and you're not cheering glass now, but you were out. You thought everyone was going too crazy because the injury risk and it came to fruition instantly. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a bummer for me because nobody drafted him in my main event. Yeah, so, you didn't you didn't get to benefit on yeah. fading him when someone's taking I, him as the twenty. I get the call player. right, but I don't get the profit from it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, so there's there's already been news going on with stuff like that. Um, say Suzuki, our boy, oblique injury, probably going to eat up most of spring, looking to probably eat up a couple weeks of the season. You would think based on other obliques, we don't have a firm timetable on him. What are you doing with him? Because he's he's sinking like a rock. I told you my TGFBI this morning. He's available at 165. I didn't take him because I've got enough shares right now. If he comes back around at 195, which I guess if anybody in my league is listening, you better take him because I think I would take him at 195, um, which would be about a 90 pick dip. But what are you doing with say Suzuki right now? I mean, I don't know that you can draft him um, unless he really, really drops. So he dropped in Danielle's league. She got him around 190. Uh, and so, and she was all like, you know, I, she was asking me like, well, who do I take here? And I was all, Suzuki is a huge discount. Uh, you know, you just got to be really careful with the rest of your draft. 
terms of not drafting anybody who's like injury prone or already injured. Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound like he's going to be out a super long time. And we still, you know, three of those probably four to six weeks are, are part of spring training. So I'm probably going to miss him for April. Oh, man. Yeah, it seems like, it, you know, basically, I'm not saying he's the same as this guy, but basically like the Tatis situation, right? Tatis missing yeah. three weeks guaranteed. Say Suzuki missing probably about three weeks of the season guaranteed. Different reason, though, too, right? Of course, you know, Tatis missing it because of his suspension, although he is also coming off of 412 surgeries. So I don't know. That's such a bummer, man. I love Suzuki. You do, too. We hyped him up so much. And then to just be undercut right away with a with an injury that sucks, too, because it can linger. That's the real tough yeah. part, too. Or, yeah, or you can get re, you know, you can re aggravate it and yes. be out for even longer. His max pick is 190. His min pick, I think, was my league. Yeah, it was 97. Um, oh, so I don't know if the guy before just, it happened. No, so I don't know why. I, I don't know if the guy just hadn't seen the injury or just said, I don't care. I'm getting a guy I want. Um, but I mean, uh, I, I think I, I would put us among the highest in the industry on, on Saya. And neither of us are going that high. So mm-hmm. just because we're not doesn't mean nobody can. But I'm just I'm just saying I'm surprised yeah, that uh, that someone's still really willing to go that high on Seiya Suzuki. I, I love him. I'm rooting for him. But man, plus I have enough shares. That's the thing too. Yeah. If I if I wasn't already kind of covered, maybe I would still want to get him like at that 165 that I just bypassed him on. But I, I've got plenty of shares. So if I don't get a single other one, and he comes back after two three weeks and he's fine and pops off, I'm still going to quote unquote win on that. But I am just, I'm bummed. I'm absolutely bummed. You know what surprised me though is that Bryce Harper went, and he did, and Seiya Suzuki's still out there. I would take Seiya Suzuki a hundred times over Bryce Harper once. He's missing half the season. At least. Yeah, and I don't mean to blast Mr. Hubbard here in my league as I put his name out on Front Street, but I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Has he gone in any other leagues yet? Yeah. His min is 135, his max is 255, but he's only been drafted in eight of the 29 leagues. That might that 135 might be my league. Oh no, no, that was 150. That was literally the last pick of the of the 10th round. Yeah, so. I think you're in league 10. This was this was in league 19. So I, love I just Bryce. can't I, you can't in NFC you can't do this. No like in, in a Yahoo league where you've got IL stints and stuff like that, it, it I guess it makes sense though. Those those IL Even spots still up quicker than exactly, you can, and then exactly. you're gonna have to make really awful decisions. Um, but in NFBC, you just you can't hold a guy that long. It's no. just, I think often in those in these kind of leagues, it's people who aren't used to the NFBC format where you don't have the IL stints and um, and yeah. People are going. I think there's a guy in my league where I go, oh, I don't know if you've played enough NFBC, where like he's drafting to, way to too the, many, yeah. yeah, injured guys or you know injury prone guys. Seven reserves, and that is it. He hasn't gone in my league, um, and you know we're at pick two sixty. So I'm not. I'm not taking Harper. I'm. I can't. I can't there, hold on to him. There isn't really a price. Even I'm. I'm talking even a, an an absurd price like. Reserve round pick. I'm still not doing it. I don't want to give up a reserve pick for half the season, at least, like you said. But we do still have pitching to talk about. We're going to continue on our rapid fire here. Let's start with some Pittsburgh guys. Uh, we're going to talk about two of them right now, and then another one uh, a little bit later. Actually, we can move him up. We'll yeah, let's just, up as well. We'll compare the two that are a little bit more established, and then we'll talk about the uh, the young star. Uh, Ronzi Contreras 
or Mitch Keller? Who do you like more? It's another Mitch Keller hype season. You buying into it or are you on the uh, Rosie Contreras train again this year? I'm not really drafting either. Um, they both have major flaws uh, to their game and they pitch for Pittsburgh. So like that's another red flag already because you're just not going to win a ton of games. Um, and then yeah, Ronzi, like I, I love the upside, but oh, he's had, he had a lot of blow up starts. I don't know if the whip's going to be really good. Um, I think they'll finally leave him alone. Like at this point, they're just probably going to let him go. But then we don't, yeah, then we don't know what he looks like if he, you know, starts getting to 150, 160 innings. And he's 150, probably the max. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just, I just can't pay the price of where he's going. If he was going like 30, 40, 50 picks later, like I'd be like, oh, okay, now it's worth a gamble. But um, he's a guy that you're not going to want to drop. You know, because of that. True, I, I get that. That's that can be a challenge sometimes with young guys like that. Ronzi Contreras going around pick three hundred, um, and there's still plenty of like intriguing guys going around there that I, I understand. That, maybe not. And that's the problem. Them. Like, there's like it's not like starting pitching is so deep. Three hundred. Like, there's still guys that are really interesting going around that point. And, Keller's a hundred picks later. Then um, you mentioned that he has some flaws. You're certainly not wrong about that. But is that not uh, are some of those flaws not not well covered with the price? I mean, yeah, I guess they are, and it just feels like it's we're kicking the football with him, like you know, with Charlie Brown just falling on his ass every year. Like, oh, it look at what Mitch Killer's doing in spring, and then he gets into the regular season, and you're like, oh, it's it hasn't been sucks. that long yet with. With the with the Keller hype train, I don't think like last year he had the big velo bump from um, from the complex that he was working at, and, and we got excited about that. And um, you know this year I think people kind of doubling down. Okay, is he working on something to, for some swing and miss? I don't know. I still like Keller, and I think around pick four hundred, I, I can I can get in there. He's such um, a whip killer though, man. Like he he's got he a certainly career, has been. He's a career one fifty seven. Yep. Whip like Which last is year was one forty. Like in 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 his quote breakout season last year, he had a one forty whip. Like that's he can't win game. Is the same issue with the Cincinnati guys, right? Can't win games because he's on a bad team and uh and the whips aren't going to be good. Like that's two of the four categories. This is what you would have said about Lucas Giolito coming into twenty nineteen, though. He had a 613 ERA, 148 whip. You know, he was terrible. Guys can make leaps. It doesn't always have to be like an incremental jump. It can be a leap. Now, if you don't believe that it's there for Mitch Keller, I get that. I'm not trying to say you have to believe that that's there. But obviously people are drafting him, and if they have their hype for him, they're seeing a path where he gets he gets away from that. He's better than anything that we've seen. And it certainly has to be the case there for Mitch Keller, because what we've seen thus far has been wildly unappealing uh, with a five ERA 157 whip. So I totally get that. Um, you're laying off of those two. I understand. What about Luis Ortiz? Cause he's kind of the next on the hype train. Uh, doesn't have a guaranteed spot right now, at least not according to roster resources. He's not penciled in with Keller, Ronzi, Rich Hill, uh, Brubaker and Vince Velasquez. So I, I actually agree with that say, saying that Luis Ortiz doesn't have a spot, but can he get enough innings to matter this year for the pirates? What do you think? I think there's a reasonable chance he can get to like 150 innings, but how many of them are going to be in triple a, like, I feel like he's going to get the Ronzi treatment that Ronzi Contreras got last year, which was 
you know, up for a month and then down for a month and up for two weeks and down for two weeks. And then, and like, and it's going to be so frustrating because you're going to like, Oh, I'm going to put in my ladder up on Sunday. And then Tuesday he's in the minor leagues and he's stuck in your lineup. Yeah. Uh, I like Luis Ortiz a lot. Like, I think he is going to be a really, really interesting guy. I mean, he's got two plus pitches. Uh, and I, you know, if the, if he can get the control um, kind of down, I think Luis Ortiz could have like a breakout season, but even if he doesn't, he's not a guy who gives up a ton of home runs. So like, I, like he could be Robbie Ray-ish, like a high strikeout, but a high like old school Robbie Ray, old school Robbie Ray, but without the homers. Cause he's not a, not a Homer guy. So yeah, I like Luis Ortiz a lot. And I've been drafting him a lot in draft and hold leagues, but mm-hmm. I think in regular fab leagues, I, I think he's a guy you pick up off the waiver wire. Correct. I'm not drafting Luis Ortiz in those formats. I did draft him in draft and hold as well. I'm in. I'm in for the full season. Um, I'll figure it out when it talk when it comes to looking at him for um, uh, you know uh, when he gets called up because I don't think he's going to win a spot out of camp. Someone could break down. There's always that that factor. They don't have the sturdiest rotation right now. But I'll deal with that when it, when it comes to it with R- Luis Ortiz. You know who I kind of like there is Johan Oviedo. They picked him up from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I still have some intrigue in him. He's, he's shown some stuff. He's only 25. He also doesn't have a guaranteed spot, but he's got three pitches. Um, you know, he, command is an issue without a doubt, and we have to kind of see some improvements there. But I, I like Johan Oviedo, and I'll be keeping tabs on him as well. Pittsburgh, you know, you're not dying to get multiple Pittsburgh guys or even really one necessarily, but I think they could have some intriguing pitching this year that's at least streamable. I think they're going to be a better team than people think. Like the top half of that offense. You, you've been on that. You've been on that all season. Yeah, I, I they are not going to be the worst team in the National League, and I don't okay. think they're even in the running for that. I think they're. Uh, the hard part is the Central is just a little bit more competitive this year, uh, but I think they're better than the Reds. It's high time that they make they start making some moves forward, though. They've been building that farm system for a while. It's time to see the fruits of that labor. They have some quality veterans. I think somebody like Carlos Santana is actually going to benefit a good bit from the shift changes. Um, you know, Andrew McCutcheon's coming back. So they have some veterans that are solid. You know, I love Rodolfo Castro, O'Neill Cruz, everyone loves Brian Reynolds, some decent pitching. Bednar's a legit closer. I agree. They should not lose a hundred this year. Let's go talk about your, your club here with three different pitchers. First, a comparison. Who's the better buy between Sean Maniah or Alex Wood? By the way, I wrote this up before Sean Maniah was coming out blazing. You see his velo reports? Yeah, and I think that's why it's Sean Maniah is you go, oh my God. Because Maniah's been a guy that he can lose his mechanics, and that's just what leads to kind of the inconsistency. But when his mechanics are on, he is a fantastic. I mean, we saw it. We saw a no hitter from him, right? Like he's just a fantastic pitcher. We've seen good when seasons from him, too. Yeah, uh, when he's mechanically right, like things go well. Uh, and I like his delivery. Uh, I like his pitch mix. I love that he's going to San Francisco in spite of the fact that the defense behind him is atrocious. Atro- like it is, it has not gotten better. Like spring training has been a nightmare. They had like four errors in the first game. Like in Tyro Estrada, a regular had two oh. of them. Um, oh, no, no, no. This is going to be ugly for Giants pitching. But well, he needs like, that. V- Manai needs that velo then to strike everybody out so exactly. that the ball is not in play. And that's why I like Manaya better than the rest of the, of the pack there as a draft prospect. Yeah. Uh, because if that velo sticks at like 95, 96, 
you know, he's the kind of guy who can get, you know, back to like a 25% K rate. Um, and then he starts becoming really, really interesting. And so, yeah, I think I'm going to be taking some gambles, but his price is starting to go up. He went, I think, inside the top 200 picks in my draft. Oh, I'm, I'm double checking it right now, but already on on the hype train with Manaya. I mean, I get it. He's a guy who's been uh, good. It was 232. So okay, that's still probably higher than I would have anticipated. Yeah, for Manaya, pe- people are gonna get excited um, about him. So. Well, part of it, you know, San Francisco is already gonna drum up some hype. Yeah, previous success and a velo he, report. I guess his it. min pick in NFBC is 238, and he went 232 in in my TGF guy league. So like. Okay. That's gonna 238 is probably gonna become his ADP. Okay. So that there is there is definitely hype brewing on uh on Manaya. I get it. He is also my pick. Um uh, Wood and Cobb, I like both, but I can't trust that defense. And I don't know if I can trust it with this next guy either. Um, is Ross Stripling underrated after a wonderful 2022? I think he's kind of been overlooked going at pick 293, but then we get back to the defense piece, and it's like, well, isn't he going to get burned by that? But what do you think of Ross Stripling going out to uh, to your club? We've been fans in the past. Or I, I have. I, I, have you? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I was, guy. I was a I huge Stripling guy uh, when he was with the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love him in San Francisco on my team. I do worry about that defense because we saw him, like, you know, really, you know, one of the ways he made the games he did last year was getting back to getting some balls on the ground and not letting so much in the air. Uh, The defense is the only part that scares me. I think he's going to be a really, really effective pitcher, but he's going to get quote unquote unlucky. Like, like Alex Cobb did last year. And part of that is going to be that Ross Stripling's defense is going to be so bad for him. Um, Yep. And so I think for, for all the gains you give starting pitchers for the home park, you have to take away because of the defense. You got to think of Oracle actually playing like a neutral park and not like a pitcher's park because the defense is going to give stuff back. That's a good way to put it. And it's very unfortunate because Mm -hmm. uh, it it definitely does hit uh, some of these guys that they have because they don't have a ton of swing and miss dudes. Um, You know what they should do is when they fire Kapler at the end of the season, they should hire Ron Washington. How dare you fire Kapler before the season even starts? <laughs> this defense is not his fault. Farhan's it's not. It's yeah. This is this is a defense put together by duct tape and crazy glue. Let's talk about my favorite team now. This was actually wasn't. This was coincidental that I I went from a giant to a tiger, and I'm going to bring up the other tigers that we had on the list as well here. What what's year two in Detroit uh, look like for Erod? Obviously, it was a tumultuous first season where uh, you know he even had some off the field stuff where he kind of left the team for a while injuries but when he was pitching he was kind of erod now he didn't have the gains that some of us thought he could have i definitely believed that he could have some gains moving from boston to detroit just as far as a park standpoint maybe cut into that whip a little bit but 405 era 133 whip that's erod uh he was basically that guy now the k's were way down that kind of sucked but it was a weird season i'm willing to give him a bit of a pass on it and and double back here especially with where the price is at i'm just not too worried about erod's price outside the top 300 what do you think of him uh, eduardo rodriguez year two with the tigers um so the velo is at about 92 uh which is where he finished last season so that's a good sign because usually guys gain a tick or two kind of as the season goes on um and we want to see him closer to like 93 94 i think mm-hmm. um it and I'm willing to give him a pass for last year, whether it was 
marital issues or mental health issues. It was something going on off the field that made him walk away from baseball when he just signed his biggest deal that he's probably going to get in his career. So, yeah. Uh, and there's a, there have been a lot of reports in Detroit that if Eduardo Rodriguez has a fantastic season, if he bounces back, that he's going to opt out. Um, and so, like, he this is a quote-unquote contract year for him because if he pitches well enough, he could opt out and try to go get another big contract somewhere. MLB is going to turn the NBA. Where yeah. Everybody's opting out every year. Um which you know, good for them. They're getting some money. But, yeah, get 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 your bread. Uh, that's uh, that's a conversation for a different podcast. But I like him where he's going. This is a guy who was being drafted not by me, but being drafted by some people as like an SP two last year. Uh, it was high. It wasn't even me though either. I wasn't. Yeah. I w- I liked him, but I did feel like he uh, Eduardo Rodriguez was going a bit too high last year. But and... even if even if his even if Eduardo Rodriguez's ceiling is like getting to an SP four, you're you know, you're still getting a pretty great discount right I now. Agree. Uh, and I've been drafting him in a lot of places this year because I think you're going to know pretty quick whether or not he's right. You know, even if you, you know, if you go back and watch kind of that, uh, that first spring outing, like the command was an issue in the first inning, but then he got under control and was, you know, fine in the second inning that he pitched and didn't walk anybody, got a strikeout, uh, got out of the, the, uh, the, first you know two innings that he threw uh clean so yeah i'm i I think i'm here for eduardo rodriguez yeah i'm i'm totally fine with the price i will i will buy back in i'll probably have a share or two of erod uh matt manning does he still have upside he had an interesting uh first appearance you talked about how the tigers brass was pumping it up said hey we liked what he did this that and the other but then the results weren't really great particularly with the velo and everything so where are you right now on uh, on on Matt Manning? So yeah, I mean the initial reports, like you said, were like, oh, you know, he feels great. He was saying he felt great, like he felt like he had good command of his stuff, and uh, and then Mike Curlin like you know tweeted out a screenshot of like his velo reports from Savant, and he was down like three miles an hour, um, pretty much like across the board in them all. This is a guy who ended the year with an elbow injury, right? It's good that he's pitching and that he says he feels fine, but and then maybe this was a matter of like, hey, I'm not taking it full bore, but this scares me off Matt Manning, and I've already drafted him a bunch in drafted holds, and so uh, I'm not drafting him anymore. And the leagues where I do end up with him, it's because I pick him up off the waiver wire. Okay, I think that's fair. You know, we we saw flashes last year of Matt Manning's uh, upside. I'm still intrigued by him. Of course, I'm a Tigers fan. So from the fandom standpoint, I'm in, and I, I still believe that there can be more. But we need to see a step this year. The 343-117 ERA whip looks great in 63 innings last year. But when you look under the hood, you really throw a bucket of cold water on it. 445 Sierra tells you all you really need to know there, and he has a 9% swinging strike rate. So be careful there with Matt Manning. I agree uh, that I'm probably not going to be drafting too much of him. We'll see how the rest of spring goes. I would be open to drafting this guy though, Matt Boyd, returning to Detroit. I'm a Boyd boy, and I'm I'm interested in seeing what uh, what Matthew Boyd can do in the return, and it's also his return to the rotation. Are, are you thinking Matthew Boyd can have a bounce back season? It's so hard to know what Matthew Boyd is at this point. Like it, it's been so long since he's pitched any sort of meaningful innings at the major league level, 
but he did look good in the short stint that we did see him in 2022, kind of out of the pen for uh, the Mariners. Uh, and it's a good park to pitch in. I a, think de- they, a decent 80 innings in 2021. Yeah, I think there's no reason for the Tigers not to let him just go and see what he can do and Absolutely. then they can flip him at the deadline. So, yeah, I like Matt Boyd as kind of a late pick, especially draft and hold, but even a guy that uh, you you use one of your last-round picks on in a redraft league, uh, a fab league, because you can drop him really quickly if it's not working out. But he, he's he got, you know, huge upside. Another one of these guys who was being ta- talked about as, like, an SP3, you know, not that long ago. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that on Matthew Boyd. I think there could be some viability there. You know, we've seen swing and miss at times. We've seen good whip management. Um, we've even seen some decent ERAs. The home runs came down in those 70, 78 and two thirds. It's called the 80 innings of 2021. That's what I'm looking forward to, uh, or looking for rather is, is the home run suppression continuing. That's, what's going to get me in on Matthew Boyd, particularly in like shower formats, tens and 12s, where he's probably not going to get drafted. If I'm looking to pick him up off the wire, I want to make sure he's keeping the ball in the park before I go out on that waiver wire to pick up a Matthew Boyd. Um, but I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Okay. Better Washington buy as we stay with crummy teams. Josiah Gray or Mackenzie Gore? Oh, man. This one pulls in my heart because I, I love both guys. Um, and I, I definitely want exposure to both in draft and holds. And so I have been drafting kind of both in, in draft and holds. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure they start with a pretty rough schedule and and they so yeah and the nationals are really really bad and uh, like i could just i i don't know how you're going to start either um so they let's see they have an opening series at the braves and then they go to tampa bay or then they're home to tampa uh, for tampa bay and then they go to colorado so like are you starting them in the first two weeks i don't think you are so I think these are guys that unless you are in a league where you can stash pretty easily, like you've got really deep benches or a draft and old league, like I don't think you draft them. I think you pick them up off the wave wire. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I think I think I could see either of them uh pop, right? Like they they yeah. there's a path for gray or gore, or maybe both, but I mean I doubt I doubt both, but one of them to really go off this year. I'm just wondering. If I was going to get really good, Gore's the one that I'm leaning toward because speaking of home runs with Matthew Boyd, Josiah Gray uh, laughs in the face of Matthew Boyd's former home run issues because, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. he just cannot uh, keep the ball in the yard for crying out loud. He's a two, three homer, nine over 219 MLB innings for Josiah Gray. Needs to figure out something there. But Gore, I still think there's a lot to like in that left handed arm. And uh, I'm, I would take him in drafting holds. And depending on how this spring goes, I think there's a reserve situation where i would be still interested in taking him in uh in 15 teamers as well yeah i'm just like scrolling through their opening schedule and like the first first series where you actually feel like somewhat okay with potentially draft they're using them is like mid-april the home versus the guardians um which even that you know might 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 be a little tough too so that's not even a lock and so, like, you're going to have to hold them on your roster for at least two weeks 
before you get to play them. And then if you don't feel confident with that, they, they finally get the Orioles like April 17th. So it's so, Atlanta, Tampa Bay, I don't Atlanta Tampa Bay at Colorado at the Angels. Like yeah, first four series. And like I know people are like, well, the Angels aren't that good. The Angels are good when they're healthy and they're starting the year healthy. Yeah, like, and it's not their hitting. I mean, it was their hitting last year when everyone was everybody dead. was hurt, but everybody's alive right now. Like maybe yeah. mid-season, the Angels are a team you attack after they trade Otani and Trout's out for a while. Like, you <laughs> and know. you're you're hitting on a good point though. When you're looking at your late picks and your reserves. I do think you start looking at the schedule right now because these are guys yeah. that you're going to be churning on your roster anyway. And maybe you like Gore as a full season type of thing or, or Gray's like one of your breakout picks. Sure. But I would think about more of that early season utility and risk maybe not getting your guy there because you want somebody more viable early on. Now, we always say get your guys, right? So if that's your guy and you really think there's a breakout that you would even start Josiah Gray against Tampa Bay, then do you. But if he is more fringe and you're just taking guys there and you're not really married to anybody, I, I leverage the schedule. And I agree with looking at those first couple of weeks. That's why I took Kyle Gibson and then I never let him go. So that was a good idea. Mm -hmm. I, def I definitely Ma regret that. Ma yeah, you didn't regret that at all. That didn't cost you like $17. Shut up. Shut up. His September literally cost me second place. Awesome. Better Boston by Brian Bayo. Tanner Houck, Garrett Whitlock. I don't even know if Houck's going to be in the rotation. I included him here because I know that there's like consideration. It seems like Whitlock is back to starting, like and, and committed. Yeah. Um, but Houck toss up there, so stay tuned. I, I'm leaning no on him, but then Bay. So then Bayo Whitlock is the real combo here, unless you believe Houck's going to get back into starting. But what do you think yeah. of that trio? I think it's Whitlock. I think it's pretty easy because he's got a job. I think Bayo is probably going to go down to AAA. I think. Uh, Hauk is probably going to be a middle reliever, you know, kind of a multi-inning middle reliever. And uh, Whitlock's in the rotation. So uh, give me the guy who's got the job. He's shown some really interesting skills, too. Uh, yeah. I, I like just I don't know how many innings we're actually going to get from him. How many times are they going to move him in the, you know, back in the bullpen, back to the starter? I'm probably not drafting any of these guys, but if I'm going to, it's Whitlock. I'm open to drafting Whitlock. I hear you generally, but then I look at their rotation. I'm like, well, how often are they gonna be able to put him in there? Put Whitlock back in the rotate in the bullpen because uh, it's Sale, Kluber, Pavetta, Paxton yeah, ahead of him. Like, you know, they're, they're gonna be bringing Hauk. I think there's a better chance that they're bringing Hauk out to try to start or bringing Bayo up than pushing uh, pushing Whitlock back into the bullpen. So here's hoping. I do like him. I like Bayo and I like the way he finished last year. I think he is more of a waiver pickup though once he's called up. Because, you know, somebody gets hurt, which will probably happen. Those are three guys that are in their mid-30s and um, Nick Pavetta, who is 30. I'm in once Bayo gets called up, but I'm probably not drafting him. Um, and I may see if I – if it's on TV, I, I, I may try to do a uh, kind of early morning, uh, mid, you know, early afternoon uh, watch party in the, in the Discord today. James Paxton is pitching today. Ooh. Okay. So uh, I I I just ten oh five Eastern or yeah ten oh five Eastern I think so or no no ten oh five my time ten oh I was gonna say yeah your time so one one oh five Eastern so uh, if you're in the Discord I I'm gonna see if I can try to stream that today and just uh, kind of watch and see what happens uh, because if Paxton is back to full velocity 
uh, they're going to let him go. He's on a one-year deal. I'm pretty yeah, sure, so. there, there's no reason that uh, they wouldn't just see what kind of innings they can get out of him. I'm pulling for him, man. I, I like I James Paxton. He was a lot of fun when he was kind of at his peak, which which was brief, but uh, there's certainly upside there, and he's a lot of fun to watch. So go, go Paxton. Let's move over to the Mets and talk about their duo of guys. Kind of, or no, excuse me, Cardinals first. Cardinals first. Adam Wainwright, Stephen Matz. Who you like better? I know it's Matz, but uh, tell us why you still love Matz. <laughs> Uh, it was Wainwright until he was throwing like 78 miles an hour. Um, and you're like, oh, no. He got that grinky fastball in the spring. Yeah, maybe that the end is near. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it's Matt. So both are very interesting because say what you want about Adam Wainwright. He's going to pitch. He's going to pitch a lot he of innings. He gets it done, man. And he's going to get wins. And if you're yep. win-seeking late, like I don't know if there's a better bet than – Adam Wainwright, who's going to pitch six innings every game and and is on one of the best teams in baseball with one of the best defenses behind him. So, uh, Stephen Matz, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be really good. I was I was high on the hype train last year. It didn't work out because of injury. Uh, right now, he's healthy. I'll take the gamble late. Uh, he's one of those guys that if he gets hurt again, you just drop him real quick and go to yeah. the next guy. And that's the thing, you know, like when you do have a breakout pick that flops because of injury, it, it it's one thing versus if the talent just wasn't there. And then you're like, well, I might have misdiagnosed his his abilities here. But with Matt's, you know, pick 330, you can take the shot again. If it doesn't work, you're out early. But I agree with you on Wayno. I agree with you on both. I, I'm, I'm intrigued and they're on a great team. And I think late you start to maybe, you know, is the upside of Keller and Ronzi maybe a bit higher? Perhaps. But not necessarily like so much so that I wouldn't rather just have the guy on the better team take the little bit less upside yeah. because their defense and bullpen are going to support them more anyway. So if the raw talent of Ronzi is better than Matt's, sure. But what about the the factors around them might just make Matt's better. Yeah. All right, now we go to the Mets. Better uh, sixth starter by here, Tyler McGill or David Peterson. Obviously, they have a rotation that's pretty well set right now. However, it is ancient. 40, 39. <laughs> 30, that's the baby. Kota Senga is the baby. 36 and 34 are the ages of their starters. Verlander, Scherzer, Senga, Carrasco, Quintana, which puts Miguel and Peterson on the outside looking in. Both will get opportunities this year just because that's how pitching is going to work when you're, when you're talking about it that old. Who do you like better between Peterson and Miguel? I mean, I like them both, but I, I trust Peterson more to stay healthy, and that's what it comes down to. McGill had a lot of injury issues last year. He never addressed them via surgery or anything like that. And so uh, I'm much more optimistic about Peterson than I am McGill. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I'm drafting either, but I think they're both watch us guys because they're not in the rotation. But like you said, like this is the this rotation has the cumulative age of a beer league softball team, not a major league rotation like yep. this is this is this is a real problem like and uh i hope none of them get hurt especially because i have max scherzer on a number of teams um and carlos Grasco on a, on a few teams as well but uh i think they're both going to get opportunities during the season that's the thing i think i think both will have their chances mcgill and peterson um definitely love them in draft and hold still if you're still drafting the 50 round draft and holds nl only i think you take a shot you know especially if you got like a reserve round but the 15-team, 12-team um, NFBC style where you have to put them on reserve, I'm not as inclined right now because they are both going to be starting on the outside looking in. And they might not even start in the majors to keep them on, you know, standard five, six innings pitching in the minors type of deal. 
So keep that in mind as well. Let's stay in that division. Talk about Michael Soroka. It's Michael now, by the way. No more Mike. Michael Soroka, is he being overlooked or is he just too damn injured? What do you think of a Soroka return? Yeah, Soroka is the kind of guy you pick up off the waiver wire. I don't even think he's starting the year in the majors. I think either you're going to send him down to AAA. I think Ian Anderson wins that fifth starter role. Well, let's and, bring him up then, too. What, what do you think about, uh, you know, Ian Anderson was somebody who had some juice last year. Uh, my dumbass took him. He's like my SP3 and my main, for yeah. God's sakes. So and, I appreciate you taking him from me. Um, because I, I mean, I had him as a top forty starter last year. A lot of people I, did. I really liked him, and it it was bad. It was really rough. He could not get out of his own way. He went down to the minors, you know, dealt with that. Talked openly about how he didn't like that, but understood. You know, it was one of those where like I hated it, but I understood why I got sent out because I was not making the grade on a quality team in the bigs. Went down, didn't really fix his problems though either. 540-162 ERA whip in his 22 innings in the in the minors as well for Ian Anderson. Apparently reworking some things this year. Are you back in on Ian Anderson? You, you think he can get that fifth starters role, of course, but are you back on drafting him because he's dirt cheap now? Well, he gave up two home runs in his first spring start, so things aren't starting on a really good foot. Uh, I think he's a draft and hold kind of really deep. I don't even know if he's a draft and hold target. I think he's like last on your bench in a 15 team league or NL only you want to be able to drop him off your roster I think so maybe he's That's not true. a draft and hold target so I, I could still get on, on draft and hold though yeah I think at this point you're just you're just banking that he can find some sort of lost you know skills uh mm -hmm. that you know that because we drafted him as an SP3 last year that means like he could get back to that but I, I don't know that there's anything yet in the profile that says he's going to yeah and maybe Ian Anderson was simply just overdrafted last year and yeah. we're anchoring to that and we shouldn't be um it was it was a solid season in 2021 however there were warning signs 10% walk rate 438 Sierra against the 358 ERA I, it's not that I didn't see those warning signs. I thought he'd improve, right? I, I, I was buying into the fact that Ian Anderson could get better. Instead, he went the other way with it and and kind of uh, had similar Sierra at 458, 20 points higher, um, and the skills remain problematic, particularly with the control being an issue for Ian Anderson. So um, keep an eye on Soroka and Anderson. They're both interesting, but right now I'm not rushing out to draft either of them. Does Braxton Garrett have a job in Miami? He had a really interesting season last year. Lots to like, but is there any room at the end, especially with Cueto coming in? That's Alcantara, Cueto, Lazardo, Edward Cabrera, Trevor Rogers, and it feels like unless they go six-man, that Braxton Garrett is on the outside looking in. What say you? I think you just nailed it. Unless they go six-man rotation, I think he's the odd man out. Or or they trade someone. There's been talk about there them trading still be a trade. Trevor yeah. Rogers all offseason. And they have not traded him. Trevor Rogers looked good in his first spring start. Um, so, is there a chance we see Trevor Rogers be traded to a team like, hey, who needs who's an up and coming team that needs another rotation piece? Like Arizona, we've seen them work together on a deal before. Yeah. Um, I I wonder if that is uh, the way Braxton Garrett can get into the rotation because unless Trevor... they go six man or trade someone, um, I just don't see it. Trevor Rogers for Alec Thomas. I was going to say Jake McCarthy or Jake McCarthy yeah, because uh, Alec Thomas, you know, is more of a true center fielder. And I, I don't know that they would do that. I think they would want a little bit more. That said, uh, I think there's a, like a fit there from a team standpoint in uh, Miami needing offense, but outfield's kind of like what they have. De La Cruz, yeah. 
Jazz is out there now. Jesus Sanchez, and then the two oldies with Abasau, and uh, I mean Solaire's. All right, but... there you go. Uh, Trevor Rogers for Nolan Gorman. Now there's something. That would Nolan be Gorman is blocked in yeah. in in uh, uh, St. Louis. It's clear with the Marlins' moves right now and playing Joey Wendell at shortstop. They don't care about defense. <laughs> So, so wait, here you go. Do you move a rise back over to first and then Gorman at second? Because Gene Segura yeah. is at third. Or or you just designate hit Gorman. Well, Gorman started as a third baseman. I guess you could. Yeah, yeah, third. that's what I was thinking. But then yeah. so then Segura back to second, which would still put a rise at first yeah. and Garrett Cooper on the outside looking in. There could be something there. There could be something there. Or I don't you know. Just, you just mix and match and move you move a rise all around. Like you know, that's you the thing Minnesota. too. Yeah, they, they can just move guys around for sure. Still doesn't um, give them a shortstop, but okay. No, that's the problem. That maybe they'd be looking for that specifically. But shortstops are hard to come by, man. When you got someone that can actually pick it, it's hard to give them up, even as a backup. Yeah. Because if something happens to Gavin Lux, and you got Miguel Rojas. Too bad they didn't have Miguel Rojas. Oh wait, they did have Miguel Rojas. I don't know why they got rid of him. I still don't really understand that. I, I don't either. Without a shortstop to back him up. I don't think Miguel Rojas is like some stud. But He's when you're a really good defender. Yeah. Yeah. And a great clubhouse presence from all, all reports. <laughs> so it's like you got a guy who can actually pick it and you got a, you don't have any other shortstops. I don't know why they got rid of him. And Henry and Chet, the Mets 30-year-old rookie is four years younger than the next starter the in the rotation. 30-year-old rookie. That, that's, that's absolutely <laughs> it just made wild. me laugh, so I went back to it. I love it. Let's go to San Diego. They're looking at maybe making two uh, RP to SP conversions. And I got to be interested. Uh, I got to be honest. I'm interested in both. Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo, who's your favorite of this uh, RP to SP conversion situation in San Diego? I think it's Nick Martinez because we've seen him start recently. Um, yeah. You know, Seth Lugo, I was, I really liked him potentially as a starter and was always really bummed that he could never find a starting role in, Same. Uh, in New York. But it has been a while. He has not thrown 100 innings in a season since 2018. Um, and he hasn't started a game since the shortened 2020 season. So he is, he is 33, though. So it's not one of those things where I think that they'd have to like baby him. Think about that time when CJ Wilson came out of the bullpen and uh, was relieving. It was like, mm -hmm. oh, wow. Or was starting. It was like, what's this going to be like? And he threw 204 innings after throwing 74 the year before. So it's, these veterans, sometimes they can make the conversion and pile up the innings. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in both. I think I'm a little bit more interested, like I said, in Nick Martinez. But I at agree. this point, now that they've lost Joe Musgrove, they need both these guys to start the season. So both these yeah. guys are definitely in the rotation to start the year. Because while we've talked about San Diego being this, like, monster team, losing Musgrove hurts. They go That's from – massive. Yeah, they go from Michael Walker being like their fourth, fifth starter to Michael Walker being their third starter uh, behind inconsistent and often injury-prone Blake Snell and you Darvish, who's amazing, but somehow yeah. got like a five-year contract at the age of like 90. Like, I don't... I, I love you, Darvish. Get your money, but holy shit, that... that... <laughs> That's wild. That's wild to me. That's wild. I'm with you on Nick Martinez. I will keep tabs on Seth Lugo, and if he has a nice spring, I could see myself drafting him later. Um, but, yeah, I really do like Nick Martinez and definitely think that there's some real upside there. He has some nasty stuff, and uh, if he can you know, kind of figure it out for five innings at a time, I think there could be a decent starter there for sure in San Diego. Uh, let's go to Baltimore. Speaking of the devil from earlier, 
Kyle Gibson's out there. So is Cole Irvin. Normally, when you're sending some like finesse guys out to Baltimore, it is the most stay away in, mm-hmm. in the history of stayaways. With their new park, things are changing a little bit. This is a park upgrade for Gibson going from Philly to Baltimore, and it's not as bad of a park downgrade for Cole Irvin going from Oakland to Baltimore now. Uh, what do you think of these two? They're obviously super deep. You know, they're deeply considerations at, at best. But what do you think of Cole Irvin and, and your boy Kyle Gibson? I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation for both of them because now, I mean, Cole Irvin already had the good park in Oakland, like you mentioned, but now he's got a team behind him that might actually win some games because I think Oakland could lose the most amount of games in Major League history. And I don't even know what that number is, but they could uh, with the way this team is shaping up. Uh, so, like, I'm going to double down, by the way. They're good. They're, I, I, I they're not going to be as bad. As the- yep. I was on it last year. I was like, they don't bottom out. They haven't lost 100 in like 15 years or whatever. You're like, no, no, no. They're bad. They're bad. They're bad. You were right. You were right. But I'm doubling back down. Yes, 1979 was the last time they'd lost 100. I was like, this team doesn't usually all the way bottom out. Well, they did. They're bad again this year, but I think they're playing a lot more youth, and um, I, I don't think they're going to lose 100. Mm. Uh, I want to uh, – we get to Vegas. I'm going to bet on that over-under again. I'm just going to roll it. I'm going to roll my wings from last year over on it. Uh, All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm more interested in Irvin just because his whips tend to be better, but I'm not out on Kyle Gibson, and I'm pretty sure they start with a pretty decent schedule. Like, I think they get Oakland and Washington uh, in their first, you know, few weeks. So, uh, I know they get Washington for sure, but I'm pretty sure they get Oakland. Well, we as know well, that. So. We know, we, yeah, we know they get Washington because we talked about it on the on the Gore situation, uh, on the Gore Gray situation. They oh, here's the thing though: they open at Boston and Texas, then they bring New New York home, the Mets, or excuse me, the Yankees. Then they do get Oakland for four, and mm-hmm. then they get that Washington. It's only a two pack with Washington, so we'd have to get lucky for one of our guys to be involved in that. It is a pretty tough schedule. It's at Boston, at Texas, home to the Yankees, Oakland at the White Sox, Washington, and then home to the Tigers, home to Boston, at the Tigers. It, it loosens up there at the end going into Boston, uh, Boston isn't as scary as it used to be. Um, Texas is a good place to go on the road and pitch. True, Gibson's true. pitched there before. And, You're not scared of that Boston offense still? I'm not as scared. Okay, that's fair. But, that's fair. I mean – it's, uh, not yeah, I mean, it's not star no. The you're second, right, right. the second half of that lineup is not good. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The top you're half is right. still interesting. Okay. Um, so it's not as scary. I agree. Um, you, you've told me on that. It's not. It's not as scary. Especially, you know, they could be dodging some of the bombs too. If mm-hmm. if if the guy you draft, whether it's Irvin or Gibson, misses the New York series and gets Oakland instead, well, that's great. You know, if they don't have to go to the White Sox and they get part of the Washington two pack, that's wonderful. They get Detroit in seven games out of ten. They're each going to at least pitch in that series in one of those series. So you're right; it does shape up a bit better there uh, for Cole Irvin or Kyle Gibson, depending on who you like there. Maybe you can start mapping it out closer to the end of draft season, like you know, start mapping out the days to see exactly what they're going to get. Um, I should have brought this up when we were talking San Francisco. I forgot to move him up too, but Kyle Harrison, very interesting prospect. Is he worth drafting? I think there's some real upside here. You guys have an aged uh, rotation as well. Kyle Harrison going to throw some meaningful innings for the Giants this year. What do you think? I think he probably will at some point, but I just don't know when they're going to be. And he, while he's got some really good stuff, he, he doesn't have great command and control yet. Uh, so I think there is a lot of risk. I think in draft and holds, he makes a little bit of sense. 
Um, but really, it's leagues where you can stash him because the Giants rotation is pretty stacked at the moment. That can change in an instant because of their injury profiles. But like they still have Descalfani as their as their six man or long reliever because yeah. there's no spot for him in the rotation right now. So he's he's Kyle Harrison's kind of the seventh man. And how many seventh mans are you drafting? Not any. Yeah. So it's I mean, I'm not drafting. I'm not. Yeah, if I'm not drafting McGill and Peterson in an NFBC situation, yeah, no. I can't be drafting Kyle Harrison yet. Mm. But I, I'm keeping tabs on him for sure. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he's a Fabapalooza guy. Yes, hundred percent agree there. Are we buying the Graham Ashcraft sleeper hype? He's apparently throwing like hundred mile an hour sinkers. I know Eno's pretty big on him. He obviously, has to deal with Coors Light. But what do we think of Graham Ashcraft in Cincinnati this year? He, he showed a few things last year. The the skills weren't hot, though. 15% K rate, 8% swinging strike rate. Uh, but, again, those big power sinkers, is there enough there for Graham Ashcraft? Uh, I mean, I like Graham Ashcraft. Uh, but are we okay with the defense that's behind him? And the park. Like- yeah, I'm not as worried about the part because he's he's like a 65% ground ball guy. So like True. he he he's gonna minimize the damage the park's gonna uh throw at him uh because he gets so many ground balls. But like Jonathan India is not a very good defender. Spencer Steer is not a very good defender. Uh they're gonna be playing Tyler Stevenson a lot at first base. Like, is he a really good first baseman? Like this is kind of ugly, uh, and I don't know that I want to deal with that. I think that's fair. Um, Especially with new sh- the lack of shift rules. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, um, and with Graham Ashcraft, yeah, if if you're going to give him positive for the fact that he can keep the ball in the yard because of all those ground balls, you have to account for the defense there. Kevin Newman yeah. should be fine at short. I think yeah, he's, he's, decent short yeah he's a decent defender. Yeah. But that's really it on the infield. I think you're right there. Will Myers mm-hmm. is not bad at first, so he's going to play mostly first. Oh, yeah, yeah. Will Myers will play a lot of first. Yeah, but you don't usually go crazy for the first baseman. You're looking up the middle mm-hmm. and third base. And two out of those three are not so great with Indian steer. So I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Um, could be an interesting streamer, though. I, I think there could certainly be some of that, some of that vibe for Ashcraft. And he's not super expensive either, unless mm-hmm. Eno pushes him up by calling him like a top 20 pitcher or something. I don't think he has him that high, though. I think it's actually no. top. 100. I'm sure, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's probably like just inside the top 100. <laughs> Let's finish with some prospects here. Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, or Ryan Pepio. Do any of those Dodgers uh, have meaningful innings? Because we've talked about this throughout the offseason. They're having a bit of a a prospect wave this year. They're really leaning on on some youth. And obviously with the Lux injury, that's only going to add to it on on the offensive side there. Although actually maybe not because Rojas is probably just going to take that job unless they find somebody. But on the pitching side, it's not as deep as it's been. There's some sketchiness after, you know, Kershaw and Odias with Gonsolin, Syndergaard, and May. So they got some young guys that could really be meaningful this year. Do you like any of Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, or Ryan Pepio? Uh, I like Gavin Stone and Ryan Pepio. I like Bobby Miller, too. I just think he's eighth in the pecking order. And so I just don't know if and when he comes up. Uh, I mean, I guess he could... fairly easily like maybe leapfrog Pepio or against them, but Pepio has got some major league time and looked really good. Gavin stone. Like, I mean, look at the strikeout rates in, you know, 35% strikeout rates in, in 2022 in, you know, single or double a and uh triple a like both, all three of these guys are really interesting 
and they will find their way into the rotation at some point. They might all be there together at some point. Could uh, be. Considering, like you mentioned, all the injury risk that is involved in that Dodger rotation. Uh, I don't know that I'm drafting any of them, but I'm definitely watching the waiver wire in case uh, somebody gets hurt. I like Pepio's stuff. I think he's going to be a reliever for them, and I think he could be a pretty high-impact reliever. Um, you know, maybe matriculating his way over to the ninth. I don't know. I'm an Evan Phillips guy, though, so we'll see on that. Uh, by the way, Daniel Hudson already hurt. Huge surprise. Alex Reyes not going to be there until the middle of the season. Huge surprise. So we'll see what they do at closer. But with Stone and Miller, I wrote them up for my uh, prospect redraft article, and they're really interesting because they're kind of different. Um, Bobby Miller's mm-hmm. that power prospect, you know, big time power arm, more finesse with Stone, but still plenty of swing and miss. And when I say finesse, I don't mean that he throws like Kyle Hendricks. I just mean that he doesn't come up throwing that blazing upper 90s fastball. But he did add velo to where he's sitting 93, 96, which does give him some more viability there to go with the brilliant changeup that he has, whereas Miller is more of a high high 90s guy and just kind of that lays the foundation for everything that he does. So I'm intrigued by this group. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least give a passing mention to Michael Grove, who could also maybe make some some impact, Andre Jackson as well. But I'm really interested in Miller and Stone this year, and I think that they could, one or both, could really make an impact depending on how injured that rotation gets. Pepio, though, I just don't think he has the command to start. So I really think he's more of a reliever, but like I said, it could be an impact reliever. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like I like all these guys, but I just don't know that you draft them outside no. of draft uh, and hold. A draft and hold, yeah. Completely agree there. These are a lot of the guys that we talked about today are really to be keeping an eye on. Either if you have a deep reserve, which in NFBC we don't. That's why we keep mentioning that specifically. But if you have a deeper reserve where you're getting 10, 12 reserves plus IL spots, sure, take some of these dudes. Or draft and hold where you're drafting all 50 of your guys at once. Otherwise, you're looking at these guys for waiver pickups. And you want to know the names ahead of time so you're not scrambling the week that they come up. Like, who is this? What's going on? You lay the foundation of your knowledge right now. And that way, when they come up, you know what to do. But that's going to do it. Five-episode pitcher preview. Uh, We went really deep there. If we missed anybody that you guys really wanted to uh, hear our thoughts on, go ahead, put them in the comments of this post or hit us up on Twitter at Spore at Justin Mason FWFB. Justin, what do you got on tap for the weekend? Just drafting and hanging out? Uh, I don't think I'm drafting anything. Um, I think I'm watching the kids while Danielle drafts, which is just a weird turn of events. Um, But deserved. uh, uh, John Legaza and I are going to go mano mano on the Sunday episode of Sleeper in the Bust. Let's go. Because uh, Jason's out of town, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, you know, maybe go to Home Depot, you know, bid that the on if we have time. Great reference, great, great reference. All right, man. Well, I hope you have a good one, and I will. Uh, I'll talk to you on Monday. Take it easy.